AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Follow through to Friday's rallies in the grain markets help to build upside momentum to start a holiday shortened trading week. How long might it last and what signals should we watch for to suggest the rally is over? The cattle complex is feeling the weight of higher corn prices and lean hog futures are starting to build a seasonal low. From Seconds First Day Afternoon via Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon is a conversation with Bill Conrad from Tradus LLC. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Yeah, you know, I said that the lean hog market is starting to build a seasonal low. It might take a yard or two extra of concrete to, to build this low <laughs> after the price okay. line that we've seen. Uh-huh. But I'm starting to get the feeling that, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. So um, it's not all that evident in the front month contract because it is it is still working with a um, uh, cash lean hog index that is trading to the downside. Pork product market is a little disappointing in here, right? Now, or a lot disappointing in here. Uh, but the back months are starting to show us some signs that we may be building that that seasonal low we'll talk more about that in a little bit well, how you doing buddy everything good everything's great here's the thing um yeah i've i've helped out laying concrete a few times in my life yeah. uh-huh. more than more than i probably wanted to those last two times i definitely could have lived without you know what i mean okay. sure uh it's been my experience there's no such thing as an extra yard or two of concrete oh really uh, no you gotta bring the whole to- truck you, you best bring the whole truck. Just that, dump it in. Just dump it right. all in. That's right. We can always find someplace else to put we'll it. We'll find. We'll find some holes. <laughs> something. Somebody. Somebody go frame something up. <laughs> yeah, that hydrant over there. Put a square on mm-hmm. it. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Looks nice. The wife will like that. She'll really yeah. like it. Exactly. <laughs> Never mind the fact we'll have to bust it all out when the valve breaks. But <laughs> hey, we got it. We that's got tomorrow's problem, not that's today. The, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, looking forward to the conversation with Phil Conrad today. Uh, you know what? We've emailed a couple of times back and forth. We really don't have anything planned for the conversation, to be completely honest with you. We're just going to see where things take us. And what which markets take us to. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you would like to be involved in the conversation, of course you can be. Give us a call, 855-4-TALK-AG. That's 855-482-5524. You Don't can also tweet like at us. It gives huh? me a headache when you say it like that. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> or you can tweet at us. Just include a hashtag AgriTalk in the message so that we will be sure to see it. All right, buddy, let's yeah. get going. What you got in the news? Here we go. March, HRW Wheat Futures posted a fourth consecutive higher settlement with the close above the opening range. Today's was also the first close above 850 in front month SRW since January 3rd, when the market was just beginning a 90-plus cent decline. 
March hard red winter wheat also completed and closed above the 50% retracement of the December 30 to January 10 mm-hmm. price decline. Chip, there is a chance for rain over the next 10 days in the U.S. plains, but the odds of real drought relief are pretty low. Wheat export inspections weekend of Jan 12 totaled more than 320,000 metric tons. That was at the high end of trade expectations. March hard red winter wheat futures were 12 cents higher, 855 and three quarters. March soft red wheat gained eight cents to 751 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at uh, 12 and a half, up a quarter of a penny on the day. Yeah. Okay. That that export inspections total 320,000 metric tons. That's signs of life for a wheat export inspection total. Um, I like that. The dollar, the dollar today traded as low as it looks like 101.96, just under 102. It's trading back above 102 and higher on the day again, but the the dollar is showing some weakness, which should help out the wheat market, corn market in particular, going forward. Well, and in case some of you wheat people fell over when I said that, I, I just said something really weird. March spring wheat closed at 9.16 even, up three and three quarter cents on the day. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of January 12 totaled more than 774,000 metric tons. That topped trade expectations. USDA also announced the sale of 150,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Colombia in the uh, current marketing year. That demand news helped March corn close solidly higher. Front month corn posted a lower open and spiked to briefly trade below support at yesterday's low, then rallied to post an upside reversal and to close near session highs. March corn traded to within a half cent of resistance at the December 30 high of 685. March corn futures were 10 and one quarter cents higher at 685 and one quarter. May corn up nine cents, 682 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 672 and a half, up eight and three quarter cents, Chip. Okay, export inspections, nearly 775,000 metric tons. That's a good number. But 685, you know, the the uh, where that March corn contract closed. Air is starting to get a little thin up at this level. We'll see what Phil thinks about that. Soybean loadings for export in the weekend of January 12 totaled at 2.075 million metric tons. That topped trade expectations. And USDA this morning also announced the sale of 119,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. Soybean futures opened lower on profit-taking after last week's rally. March beans spiked support at Friday's low, then rallied to close well above Friday's high to post an upside reversal. March beans also closed above the December 30 high and posted the highest close since June 10. Gains in both bean meal and bean oil also helped beans close higher. March beans 12 cents higher, 15.39 and three quarters. May beans up 10 and one quarter, 15.37 and one half. July soybeans closed at 15.33 and one half, up eight and one half cents, Chip. Boy, talk about the air starting to get a little thin, 15.39 and three quarters. The March bean contract, that would be the fifth highest close for the contract. Fifth highest. Here we are, back up at the highs. Uh, we're going to be <laughs> gains, – gains going forward are going to be tough, except for the fact we continue to lose some beans out of South America. Dr. Michael Cordonier took another 2 million ton off the Argentine bean crop estimate, dropped it down to 39 million tons. So I think that's having some impact on it. Uh, no question about it. Plus, some gains in the in the crude oil market today, trading back above 80 bucks a barrel. That helped out the bean oil market. 
A little higher in the cottons today. March cotton up 53 points, 82.82. On the livestock side, disappointment over the lack of higher cash cattle bids is wearing thin in the cattle market. February live cattle opened slightly lower and on session highs, then fell through support at 157 before recovering to close at that pivotal level. February cattle were 72 and one half cents lower at 157 even. April cattle down 80 cents, 160.10. And March feeder futures down $1.57 and one half to 181.30. And on the snout side, front month lean hog futures continue to follow the cash lean hog index to the downside with pressure on pork cutout prices also limiting buying interest. February lean hog futures 20 cents lower at 78.45. April hogs 85 cents higher 88 12 and a half chip and may hogs up a dollar 30 at 96.45 june hogs up a dollar 50 at 105.37 july hogs up 70 cents wow. 106.47 and a half so we're working on it and it's being led by i'm not exactly sure why but it's being led by the back month contracts building in a seasonal low. So, uh, you know what? I do know why. It's February hogs are dealing with that cash index and lower pork product prices. So, going to have to stick with that. Phil Conrad, up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. So, Chip. Davis. If I was playing a gig, you know, just me okay. playing the piano and singing, right? Yeah. Restaurant, yeah. maybe a tavern, cantina, something yes. like that. People are enjoying yes. the dinners. And I bust into the intro of September. Yeah. But sing the words of Crazy Train. Yes. Much like we just heard. Who do yes. you think would be more upset with me, the Aussie fans or the Earth, Wind, and Fire fans? Or do you think people would love it and just boogie anyway? Dude, there's a $20 bill in your tip jar. It's completely untested. It's $20 bill in your tip, tip jar. It's coming your way right now. <laughs> yep, there may be several of them. There may be several of them. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you very yes. much. I mean, that's what the, rea- the reaction to that is going to be, huh? I think yes, yes. What? There are those who would fall out of their chairs. Yes. What? What is what? this guy? Crazy. I've never heard. Never heard what? anything like this. That's right. This guy's That's right. Out, he's ahead of his time. Well, I stole yeah. it from YouTube. Don't tell him though. There you go. We'll just let I him think, think what be they fantastic. want. Fantastic. As a matter of fact, <laughs> send me a tape. I want to hear. It. I will. I absolutely Thanks. will. Thanks. All right. <laughs>
Phil Conrad, Traders LLC, is our guest analyst today. Phil, welcome back. It's good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Chip. Just uh, finer than frog's hair over here. And also to note, it would be the Aussie fans that would be more upset yeah. than, Ooh, uh, than whoever else that was. I, that's those, my personal opinion. You're, those you're Aussie fans, right. they can be scary, too. Oh, yeah. I would rather, I would rather upset the Earth, Wind, and Fire fans than the Aussie dudes. Yeah, because what's the Earth, Wind, and Fire fans going to do? Yeah. yeah. Davis. No, we challenge it. you to a dance off. Yeah, the Aussie. Yeah, yeah, the Aussie fans. We're throwing Aussies out on the heads off bats. I mean, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's we don't want to see any of that. Any no. of that. That's right. But I think it'd just be too overwhelming for them. I don't think they could do anything but, but, but stick a twenty in your tip jar. Be like a stun gun. Yeah, stun gun. There you go. There you go. Noted. Oh, Phil, how you doing, man? Doing great. Uh, you, you have me on, and the markets go up, so I, yeah. I don't think the listeners can complain either. No, that's right. That is exactly right. So when when you look back at Friday's uh, or Thursday's reports, did you see anything in those reports that made you think, wow, okay, here we go. This is going to get something started. Um, yes, I do think that uh, the harvested acre number on corn – uh, definitely gives us that short-term bounce, what they cut off uh, just shy of 2 million acres, and you know, notably all in the western Corn Belt, uh, the lion's share of it there. Uh, and I think the interesting thing when you talk about taking off and prices taking off from here based on that report is it wasn't a, a demand-based uh, rally necessarily. It's more of the supply cuts that happened you know, mostly to the tune of the quarterly stocks number that probably gave us the most bullish indication, especially on the corn side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you think about that, and it's like, well, how long uh, do we hold on to that rally uh, if demand were to slip anymore? I mean, they did make some nice cuts, uh, albeit not great cuts, to the corn demand. Uh, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> we came out with a great export number today, keeping things at least somewhat in line with what we need to have to fulfill expectations. You know, I think it was, what, 30 30.5 million bushels of what exports said today. I did think interesting on that report, uh, and this was coming from R.J. O'Brien, was just there's not a lot of sales left to China. If you look at the unknowns, it only comes in about 59 million bushels. And okay. so that would argue to say today China's essentially done buying corn, and, and at least we've completed those purchases until they step in and make new purchases. So when right. does that happen? Is it, is it a dollar thing? You know, what – is their demand after their new year going to spike back up? And those are all, I would say, lingering questions in the marketplace as we move forward here uh, in 2023. Okay. So do you think, I don't, I, I think China's trying to do everything they can to not buy U.S. corn. Do you get that feeling? A hundred percent. I mean, they've, they've what made comments they want to buy from South America, from Brazil, trying to get that all in place. And it would make sense. I mean, uh, politically speaking, uh, we're not exactly on uh, real great terms, uh, probably right. heading closer to a divorce than a marriage at this point. So it's uh, not a great situation when you start factoring that in, especially with the fact Brazil staring down a big crop. I mean, that's yeah. just the reality. And we'll see what happens with this Argentina's second crop. You know, I don't, this first one that's coming off or, or maturing now, I don't know if there's a ton of 
yeah, if some of these rains materialize, it, it obviously helps. But is it going to massively change the outlook? I don't think it does, especially when you start looking and hearing that Argentina has been booking soybeans out of Brazil, their crush plants have. So you factor all that in. Uh, the soybean complex probably a little bit different, just to the tune of we almost have to be somewhat rationing demand here as we move forward, just with our tighter carryout um, and, and the unknowns of what happens with Brazil. But yes, it does seem China's doing everything they can, and if they got to come to the table, they will. But historically yeah. speaking, you know, with South America having their crop, it's not a great time for us right. to ramp up exports, uh, especially post you know, March first. Right. Right. Okay. Um, what it, the momentum that we've got in this corn market right now feels pretty doggone good. What do we need to watch for to suggest that, okay, it, it's done. If we've got some old crop corn to move, we better get it done. I, you know, Chip, I've thought about this a lot because you look at, I would say fundamentally, we're probably more bearish or maybe I'm more bearish than, than bullish on this market. Um, big fan of selling these rallies even today at 686, albeit, you know, one of the higher closes we've had since, uh, what, late October, early November. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to think we haven't spent any sustainable time above seven since last summer would seem like a dream to me that you're going to go out and, and see seven plus dollar corn in this environment. Now, could it happen? Sure. I mean, we got to close above what six ninety five and then seven to really see that spark happen. And and the trends are fin- friend right now. The one thing that is, I would say, interesting to me is just the fact funds are what on their fifth straight week of being buyers of corn and soybeans, yeah. and how long do they want to defend their position and add to it of being long as we move along here and we get more clarity out of the South American crop. Um, from an old crop standpoint, I just had this conversation with a few clients as well. Yeah. You know, when you're staring at a 50, 60, in, in the Western Corn Belt, 50, 60 over basis, mm-hmm. you're either side of 740 type cash. I mean, yes, everybody wants to maximize profits, but um, we got another crop that's going to go in the ground here in about 90 days. And I just, I fear more for people holding out for that $8 number than uh, actually capitalizing on 740 or 50 and that just comes down and i really think the risk profile of the of the producer is such a big thing to understand because there's an interest number tied to all this if you're borrowing money that's also uh that's a that's a constant that's a for sure yep. uh, the price action is not right right is there corn moving out in, in eastern nebraska now there is. I would still say it's not uh, as hard and heavy as you'd like to see. I mean, I think with this rally, if we can add another, in my mind and from what I, uh, from talking to people, if you had to pick a nice round number that's going to move a lot of corn, 750 would move. You could buy quite a bit there. Um, just wow, wow, holding wow, out wow. for that. 750 cash. I mean, that's, you know, we're not terribly far away from it. Um, I think really like, and I've had this conversation with uh, clients as well as let's at least go lock down the board at, you know, whether it's today or yeah. tomorrow, you know, whatever, 685 to 695. I mean, that's been yeah. a target that I've had in my mind for three months. And you know, we had a little blurb there at the end of the year with an opportunity to get some done. Here's another opportunity to get more done. I just think it's prudent at risk management to say these numbers are going to be either side of 740 to 50 at some point here. Let's take advantage of it 
and move forward and part ways with our old crop because fear is that 2023 crop um just looking ahead yeah exactly exactly now just looking ahead at that 23 crop do we have to wait to get comfortable that the 23 crop is going to get planted on time before this basis crashes or is basis not going to Uh, crash I don't think basis will, honestly. I, I really think basis is going to remain strong through the summer. Um, the, the demand's there. I mean, especially if you look at our, our quarterly stocks numbers, they're tight enough. Uh, basis will run strong probably straight through the beginning of next harvest, really. I mean, even if we're staring down a monster crop, it's still going to take some f- time for that to hit the pipeline. And I look back you know, a decade ago coming off the uh, 2012 disaster, 2013 going into 14 we still had a a pretty strong basis going in you know 13 harvest um and it's going to be a similar situation here i don't think basis crashes now that the disconnect between you know the set board and the d board is going to happen and also the disconnect of basis could be two oh you know two dollars over and then we're staring down you know a 20 10 under type new crop situation so a lot of moving pieces on that 23 crop Yes, there is. Yes, there is. We are talking with Phil Conrad, Tradus LLC. What do we do with the fifth highest close for the March contract? That's next on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Rains across eastern Argentina and far southern Brazil will remain limited over the next 10 days to two weeks, according to World Weather Inc. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Argentine soybean and corn crop estimates while leaving his Brazilian crop estimates unchanged. Agrural says Brazilian farmers have harvested only 0.6% of the country's soybean crop. That's of last Thursday. That's half of last year's harvest pace at this time. The Mexican government announced on Monday a temporary 50% tax on white corn exports. China's economic growth in 2022 slumped to one of its worst levels in nearly half a century as the fourth quarter was hit hard by strict COVID curbs and a weak property market. News of note is taken from the pages of ProFarmer. You can get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG.
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Jeff. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Phil Conrad, Traders LLC. Before we get back to Phil, Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures 12 cents higher, 855 and three quarters. March soft red wheat gained eight cents to 751 and three quarters. March corn futures were 10 and one quarter cents higher at 685 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 672 and one half, up eight and three quarters cents. March soybean futures 12 cents higher, 1539 and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 1533 and one half, that's up eight and one half cents. March cotton gained 53 points to 82.82. February fat cattle 72 and one half cents lower at 157 even. March feeder futures down a buck 57 and one half to 181.30. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures were 20 cents lower, 78.45. That's your quick market recap. Back at her, buddy. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Phil Conrad, Tradus LLC is our guest today. Okay, Phil. So today's close in March beans, I believe it was the fifth highest for the contract. So if you thought that you missed the the highs last summer, we're basically back up at those June highs. What's got the market back to the summer highs? You know, Chip, I really do think you ought to rest on the fact of the uncertainty out of Argentina you know, obviously, them not really having an exportable crop, it would seem, is a big deal. Uh, Brazil, just the unknowns of what's actually – they're going to have a big crop, no doubt. Um, if you look seasonally, we rally beans. We might, you know, either side of the next week in a typical seasonal year, we would put a short-term low in and rally off that. So there's some seasonals definitely that are in our favor on corn and soybeans, for that matter. Um but more than anything, we really need to slow down our our current demand pace of soybeans right now uh, in the U.S. just to keep where we're at. And I think that's another big uh, good week of exports. You know, we were above what trade expected, what, yep. 76 million. Trade was expecting, what, 70.7. And so we just keep pushing that threshold higher. And it seems like we do this every year on beans chip. I mean, I don't like – at what point are we going to have a negative carryout? So I just keep waiting for it. But, no, it just – <clears throat> you got to also entice people to want to plant uh, soybeans for next year. And albeit we didn't see any action on the 23 crop, um, but that's definitely weighing on my mind anyways. And as you look at the March contract, where do we go from here? I mean, 1545 is a, a resistance level on the way up, but then you're staring down the, the contract high close is 1566. Um, sure feels like, we're going to make a run at it um, with where the close was today. Yeah. Uh, there's probably no reason why we won't, but right. again, I just, I, I go back to corn being the same way of, of we're within 20 cents of the high on, on beans. We're within, you know, not the high on corn, but the recent highs are seven bucks on corn. You know, what are you, what's your expectations and what are you waiting for as a producer to at least stop your futures risk? Um, if you can't logistically move it, at least stop your futures risk and, and put a cap on things, uh, whether that be with a short dated put or uh, just outright selling. And I'm probably more of a proponent of just selling okay. the futures or going out and doing a hedge to arrive. I mean, I just really think you're given uh, another great opportunity. There's been a lot of private estimates that are you know, getting cut even more, like you mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point is the market exhausted of that talk, though? Mm-hmm. 
USDA has been a little bit slower to adjust those numbers, but that's par for the course for them for the last, you know, five years for sure, if not longer. So I just, you know, my, my heart of hearts, I think you got to keep moving through this and not worry about, are we going to 16? Cause you, mm-hmm. you can, what if yourself to death, but uh, you know, I do know. And, and I think every producer remembers too being at, you know, 1450 or closer to $14 futures at harvest or $13 futures at harvest time. Um, So really you look at it that way. If you got beans in the bin, you put it, you know, put it in the bin probably somewhere in that, you know, $14 range. And you've seen a dollar 40 rally off that. I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic return on your money and a fantastic return on your bin. So I, I, you just got to look at it from your risk parameters and say, where am I at? Am I comfortable with them going back to 14? Cause that's a real number, if not lower. And then also, you know, if they go higher Excellent. at some point, the 23 contract should follow suit, but uh, it sure is a stubborn son of a gun today. Uh, closing, yeah. you know, nearby up 12 and 23 unchanged on the day. So, yep. Well, that gets us to a question and I've got some domestic issues that I want to talk out on, uh, about on beans. But it gets gets us to the question that came in on Twitter at Northeast Iowa Farmer at NE Iowa Farmer. Why can't we get new crop beans to go along for the ride with the old crop? What is it? What is the, the issue on the new crop? Too much time? Yeah, I think so. I think too much time and too much outlook of just us. A the unknowns of what Brazil. If Brazil can produce a bunch and say they export a bunch. And maybe that uh, Argentina crop comes in a little better. I just think there's a lot of ifs there. And it seems like we focus more on the ifs to the bad side, not the ifs to the good side, which, mm-hmm. albeit rightfully so. Um, that and it seems like every analyst you read right now, uh, for the most part, is really saying we're going to have projecting a pretty massive 23 crop. And I think that's just making everything slow to move. Because you don't, we don't know anything about this year's growing season yet, and it would seem maybe more of a change in the precipitation patterns. But as we know, that can flip on a dime too. We can go back to a drought. But you know, the betting man would tell you we probably got a better chance of trending back towards 12 on beans than we do 15 on the new crop contract. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. frustrating and obviously as a as a farmer, it's hard because you don't want to. <clears throat> we're so early from like a seasonal standpoint to make a ton of decisions on either crop. Uh, you know, seven out of eight out of ten years is a bad, bad idea. You're probably better off dragging your feet at this point till you know more the March, April, May type time frame. But again, you're also eyeing down one of the most expensive crops you ever put in the ground, if not the right. most expensive. And so, where you know, put yourself in the mindset of what doors do you want to have? Uh, open come june 15th you know, do you want them all locked shut because you didn't do anything and corn's 50 60 cents lower and, and beans are a dollar lower that's a hard pill to swallow you know if yeah. you do something now whether it be and i'm more in the camp on corn anyways of just outright selling what you think your your cash flow you know, kind of offset some of your fertilizer cost uh soybeans there's some good put call strategies to carry you through say the next 45 to 60 days get okay. through the South American uh, hoopla and yep. then have a better understanding and do yep. that on your first, you know, 10 to 30% between depending on where you're at. And that's just honestly where my mind is laying so much is just trying to keep advancing things. And I hate to be a bear and, and I'm not really a bear per se. It's more the risk today is to the downside. 
You're I mean, defensive. There, there could be more upside. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather run the football and and get some stops than I would try to throw uh, throw some deep bombs and throw an interception at this point. Dude, I mean, dude, we've had a couple it, good years in a hey, row. So hey, foot, football's football's done. Okay, let's turn <laughs> turn defense into offense on the basketball court and push the ball down the court. Hey, That's there we go, Chip. About. We don't have much of a basketball team here in uh, here in Lincoln, so I, <laughs> I just focus on football year round. You know, recruiting. <laughs> Do not blame the cyclone for that. Do not blame the cyclone. Nope. <laughs> um, okay, on the domestic side of things, but and I like what you're saying about managing your risk actively as you go forward. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Talk to me on the domestic side of things because the crush numbers for December, soybean crush numbers, came in below trade expectations. USDA left that record crush number in the supply and demand balance sheets last week. Is the USDA number a little too optimistic or was the December kind of a one-off? I'm going to go with December was a one-off, and I couldn't, you know, honestly couldn't tell you why. We had a lot of things going on in the soy and oil markets that were not, uh, I'd say, real exciting for either uh, commodity in that time frame. So if crush slowed down, I mean, you saw corn ethanol plants slow down here in January just due to margins yeah. not being as good as well. So everything kind of took well, a step back weather. as we get crude route. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Just what, cold. Yeah. The, well, yeah, that, that streak there in uh, late December when it was negative 30 wasn't exactly the time you wanted to fire up your truck or your plant uh, right. at full bore too badly. But I do, you know, I think we'll rebound on that. Uh, crush has been fairly resilient. I think margins are starting to turn back around. And so that's the biggest, or be more profitable, I should say. Yeah. Um, it's just a tune of how much. And, you know, I, I think one interesting comment I get a lot. Um, is just the outlook of all the new crush plants coming yeah. on. And, I, I mean, that is a big deal. It, it's going to be a big deal for agriculture, no doubt. Uh, from my understanding, that's more of a longer-term, you know, three- to five-year big deal than a six- yeah. to 12-month big deal. Yeah. And so <clears throat> yep. beans could be the story of the next five years, similar to the ethanol boom, Um but still, I, I, you're hard pressed to find many farmers that would rather plant a soybean than a corn than a yeah. you know, corn crop. Gotcha, and gotcha. Okay, especially okay. You price. got any you got any events coming up or anything that we need to know about? You know, Chip, I got an event coming up uh, this Thursday is my birthday. Uh, so nice. If any, if anyone, <laughs> if anyone wants to really make my birthday fantastic, you should uh, go out and check us out on social media at Trados LLC. Uh, and give me a call anytime, 402-858-7529, and uh, send me a birthday wish. I don't know if I'm getting any gifts yet, so I'll take anything and everything. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. Good stuff, Phil. We will talk with you again soon, man. Yep. Have a great day, Chip. All right. Thank you very much. That's Phil Conrad, Tradus LLC. Okay, Davis and I will be right back to wrap things up on today's AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Hey, guess what? You're listening to AgriTalk right now! Huh? Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory as well. Our guest today, Phil Conrad. Uh, First of all, just right out of the gate, super positive. Uh, Hey, Phil. How's it going? Was the initial question finer yeah. than frog's the hair? Frog's hair. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I. I guess I just assumed the frogs didn't have hair, but apparently it's so fine that you can't yeah, even you, see it. You can't even see it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Not many people know that uh, frogs are fine-haired mammals. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that, rare. That's that's a fact that people just don't know. Hmm, and there's probably a reason. They just don't know that. <laughs> May not be scientifically sound. Um, the uh, let's start here. A lot of talk about South America. Okay, um, I had in the news from Pro Farmer, and I'm going to scroll to this just to make sure that I get it right. Agroral says Brazilian farmers have harvested only 0.6 percent. That's six tenths of a percent of the country's soybean crop through last Thursday. Uh, half of where they were progress-wise mm-hmm. last year. Uh, as far as the harvest pace goes. Now you've got Phil Conrad talking about Argentine soy crushers importing Brazilian beans. Meanwhile, all this in the context of China doesn't want to buy from us. Yeah. They would rather buy from someplace else, yeah. and we just assume that they're going to lean into South American supplies. That puts a lot of pressure on those supplies, bro. Yeah, and and it, it also assumes that that 150 million metric ton or – 5.5 billion bushel biggest ever anywhere bean crop in Brazil is going to happen. And hey, I'm betting on it. If 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 I'm uh if I've got to make a decision based on whether or not it's going to be a big Brazilian bean crop, I'm going big. It may not mm-hmm. make 150, but a 145 is still a monster. An absolute monster. So you've got to count on those supplies uh, being an issue that the U.S. market is going to have to deal with. When when we started getting confirmation that Argentine crushers were buying Brazilian beans, and it came – really the, conver- the confirmation of it came just last week. Mm-hmm. But once that happened, then your mind goes to, okay – 
who buys Brazilian soybeans that's going to get shut out now, and could they come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. to to replace those beans that are going to Argentina? You know, we're talking about 20 million metric ton more. If if the crops are 145, it's 20 million ton more than what it was a year ago. I, I, it seems to me that Brazil can satisfy traditional demand and satisfy some of this increase in, in movement to Argentina and still have beans to export. Oh, I say well, that with a level of exasperation, but there it is. Right. Well, and, and my question will be just, and you probably don't have a sense of it. Unfair for me to ask, but uh, go ahead. I mean, how, how, uh, in volume, how how much is Argentina gonna soak up to crush for meal? Mm-hmm. Um, and Argentina- does that take that bin busting Brazilian crop down to just a regular standard, just a little bit above trend line crop? Say, mm, no, no, not that no, much. No, no. Um- the reason that the reason that I say this is, we we should be expecting. Argentina crushes the beans that they that they produce. There's some domestic consumption there, but if they were supposed to produce a 52 million ton crop, and here they are, they may not import enough to get all the way back to 52 million ton. But they're going mm-hmm. to import enough that will keep that that Argentine crush industry up and running. Okay. Now, is that a minimum of getting to a 45 million ton supply? Eh, that sounds about right because the estimates on the or the 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 speculation that Argentina was going to be buying Brazilian beans happened when we were talking about an Argentine crop in that 43 to 45 million metric ton range. Here mm-hmm. we are now closer to 40, maybe 39 million metric tons and we're talking about and seeing Argentina import beans from Brazil. Now, part of it is timing as well, because Argentina is at a time where they are typically would be running out of beans and they need to get some beans in there. So I would guess that they're going to be shooting for a total supply inside of Argentina around 45 million ton this year. Okay. Okay. So they're not going to go crazy. No. Um, Phil said something that I think I, I need you to riff on here for a little bit. There, There's probably someone out there who needs to hear this. Phil is more concerned for people holding out for $8 corn. Mm-hmm. And then a little later on, he pointed out the somewhat obvious axiom here. Interest payments are for sure. Yeah. Corn prices are not. Yeah, that's, I mean, we, the, I used to run the, you know, the, the cost of storage numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. And then for a decade, it was, oh, you know, it's three or four cents a bushel per month. But it's not that anymore. It's it's closer to seven or eight cents per month, probably, hmm. uh, because of that interest charge on there. So you know that if you keep corn in the bin, it's going to you, – you've got a really good idea what it's going to cost you. The only reason I'm hesitating there is because there is always the risk that it could go out of condition and it could cost you even more than, uh, well, yeah. than the, the bin payment – and interest rates okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i get that um but it's going to cost a lot more this year than what it did a year ago to store corn and what phil is saying is hey 
maybe it's time to just get rid of that. Plus, it's already paid off, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, from the time that you put the corn in the bin, from the time you may have put put beans in the bin, it, it's it's paid. That it's paid for that decision. That decision has paid off. So now the only way that you can claim victory on that decision by making a cash sale and capturing yeah. the gains. So hmm. yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Okay, hey, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to talk with Josh Linville, get an update on what's going on in the fertilizer market. We've got Brent Johnson from Iowa, Iowa Farm Bureau president, also on the show tomorrow morning. Thank you.